Hi, my name is Travis, and I am the Senior Executive Pastor here at Hope Church. Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. The sermon you're about to watch is very significant in the life of Hope Church. For over a year, our pastors and stewardship team have been seeking God regarding what is next for us as a fellowship. The message you're about to watch is the launch of what we are calling the next campaign. And we are so excited to share with you where God is leading our fellowship. If you'd like to find out more information about the next campaign, you can go to hopechurchonline.com next and get all the information about what's going on here in our fellowship. Enjoy the message. Two thousand and fifteen was a significant year in the life of my family personally. My wife and I kind of had a moment in two thousand and fifteen where we looked at each other and said, "Man, everything that God put in our hearts when He called us to the city of Las Vegas, He's done." When God first called us here, and we moved here in December of 2000, there were some words that God put in our heart. If you've been with us for a long time, we used to, in our Dinner with the Pastors, Discovering Hope moment, share three words, people, planting, and partnerships, that when, when God brought us here, he put in our heart a desire to see a church born that would see thousands of people come to Christ in Las Vegas and throughout the world. He he put in our hearts a desire to plant and reproduce and multiply churches out of our church. We, our original dream and desire was 10 churches in the first 10 years. And by 2015, we'd seen over or close to 40 churches planted out of our church. We had a passion to see um, partnerships developed around the world where our church was engaged on multiple continents being used of God to expand his kingdom. And, and Christy and I looked at each other in 2015 and said, God's done all of that. It, it, it really was a moment where it kind of blew us away that we realized everything that God had led us here to be involved in, he he did. You know, we shouldn't be surprised when God does what he says he's going to do, but it was one thing to, you know, sit here 15 years in and look around and see all that God had done. It was something else to stand in front of a mission team in 2001 with no church and say people planning in partnerships. You know, God's going to see thousands come to Christ, plant all these churches and work around the world when it was eight of us in a living room. Um, but in 2015, God had done all of that. And we kind of had one of those moments that was a crisis of faith for us personally. Because we began to ask a question. God, what's next for us? Lord, what, what are you doing with us? Lord, are you finished with us in this work and in this city? God, everything you said you were going to do, you've done. And so we're at a season in 2015 where we are wrestling with this. And in that same season, in a three-month window, three different opportunities came calling on our family. 
If, when I was in seminary a long time ago, planning and preparing to go into ministry, if you'd have said, describe the dream situation for you someday, it seemed like in that three-month window, all three of these opportunities would have been dream situations that I would have said, man, sign me up for that. So we're wrestling with this question, God, what's next? Are you finished with us here? And these three incredible opportunities come our way, and so we begin to pray through these opportunities. And one by one, as we prayed through them, here's what God did. Make a long story short. I won't bore you with all the details. But here's what God did for my wife and I. In the fall, late of 2015, early part of 2016, God solidified in our hearts a life call to the city of Las Vegas and this work called Hope Church. And he nailed down for us that this was not something that he'd called us to for a season of our lives, but this was something that God had called us to to plant and spend our lives involved in. And I, I got to be honest with you. When you're a pastor and you're in ministry, we always, and, and listen, we all should do this, but it's just the expectation that the pastor does. Live with a yes on the table. Lord, whenever, wherever, whatever. And listen, even today, I still live with a yes on the table. But there was a sense in 2015, beginning of 2016, where God really solidified in our hearts that what he'd planted us here in Las Vegas to be involved in was a work that he'd called us to for the rest of our lives. And so as best as we understand it today, you are stuck with us at Hope Church. Now, but that raised, that raised another question. What's next for Hope Church, because I'm not, you, 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 you've known me long enough now to know I'm not just your normal, average, everyday pastor who's content to have a few more people next weekend than we had last weekend, right? I, I'm wired too much like a missionary. I have too much of an apostolic wiring, a heart for the kingdom of God to be expanded locally and globally. So, Lord, what's the next mountain that you want us to scale? God, what is the next battle that you want us to engage in? Lord, what is the, the next hill that you want us to take for the glory and honor of God? Because we can't just sit and be comfortable with what God has done. God has not called us to simply look backward. He's called us to look forward and join in all that God is continuing to do. So, so we begin to wrestle with the question, God, what's next for our church? And I was in my devotional time one morning. And out of my devotional time, God began to speak into my heart out of Psalm 33. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn there. Psalm 33, verse 11 in particular, was the word that God spoke into my life. It was a defining moment for me. Psalm 33, verse 11. 
just in the regular rhythm of my God time. Okay, this wasn't one of those days where you're going, okay, Lord, I need a word, right? Let me just drop my finger down. No, just in the regular rhythm of my daily devotional time with the Father, just seeking Him. And let me tell you what I found in my own life. That's the way God normally speaks to me. It's not in lightning bolts and bells and whistles and tingles running up and down my spine. It's the regular, ordinary, daily rhythm of time alone with Him. And here's what he said that morning. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. And you know, there are those days when you're reading the Bible, and then there are those other days when you're reading the Bible, and it's like the Holy Spirit of God makes every word just come alive. And that's what happened for me that morning as I was reading it. It was like every word of that verse began to come alive to me, and the Holy Spirit really spoke three things into my heart that I want to give you as a foundation for what I want to share with you today. And here's the first one. God has a plan. Now, here's what that means. He doesn't need us to come up with one. Because when I, when I first began to wrestle with this question, what's next, my initial reaction is, let's get a few guys in a room, let's get some whiteboards, let's get some markers, let's start dreaming up the dream. But here's what God said. God said, he has a plan. He said, my counsel, my plan, the word plan here is a Hebrew word that means a series of steps to be carried out or goals to be accomplished. God has a unique series of steps and goals for us as a fellowship in this season at this time. Now, we know his ultimate plan, amen? His ultimate plan is the expansion of his kingdom. Let me read you a verse from the end of the story. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, look what it says. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every, what, tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Here's what God was speaking into my life. I got a plan. I am establishing a kingdom. I am advancing my kingdom among every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation. And one glorious day, all of them are going to be around the throne of King Jesus, worshiping him as the king, and will reign with him for all eternity. There's the big picture. But here's what he was saying to me. Vance, I don't just have a big picture. I already in my heart have the unique set of goals and steps that I want you to take, and I want this church to take during this season that are a part of the big picture of accomplishing my big plan. God has a plan. Here's the second thing I heard from him. We must hear from the Lord about his plan. Did you hear what he said here? He said the plans of his heart. You know what that means? To know his plan, you got to seek his heart. He said the counsel of the Lord. The word counsel is a word that means something that provides direction or advice as to a decision or course of action. Here's what he said. Vance, I got plans. They're in my heart. 
their goals and steps that are a piece of the big picture of what I'm doing in the world. And here's how you find them. You seek my heart. You listen for my counsel. You got to hear from the Lord. Then here's the third thing he said. His plan impacts the generations to come. Two phrases. He said, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. That little word stands, it means to remain. The word forever means an unending time. It means it's going to remain forever, an unending time out into the future. Then the second phrase, from generation to generation. Here's what struck me. We've always said at hope. That what God is doing in and through us is bigger than us. We've always said it's bigger than our church. We've always said it's bigger than our city. We've always said it's bigger than our nation. But here's what struck me that morning. What God desires to do through us is bigger than our lifetime. When God called me here, I was 28 years old. I was a kid. We had these three little children, seven, five, and three years old. Grandchildren were the farthest thing from my mind. I'm still a little freaked out when I go speak at all these church planning conferences. I'm used to being the young church planner guy, and now I'm the old guy. I'll be 46 in October. And I know that's still young, but in the crowd that I'm running in with these church planners, I'm the only guy with gray hair. (laughs) My daughter and son-in-law told us at Christmas that they are expecting our first grandchild, a little granddaughter, in July of this year. When I came to plant a church... I wasn't thinking about grandchildren. (laughs) But here's what God showed me. The trails that we are blazing today are the trails that our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren will run in to expand the kingdom of God. Some of the stuff that God birthed our church to be a part of isn't going to happen in our lifetime. But as we're faithful in our generation, the next generation and the next generation are going to run into the expansion of His kingdom. So, out of those verses, God really... We kind of had this moment, hey, what's next for hope? And then God said, hey, put on the brakes. You don't need to come up with a plan. I got one. It's a little bigger than you're thinking anyway. (laughs) And so here's what we've done. The lead team of pastors, our stewardship team, all of our pastors now, all of our staff team, and many of our volunteer leaders for the last 15 years, to 18 months have been seeking the heart of God about what's next for us at Hope Church. And today, 
I want to begin to share with you what God has spoken into our hearts about what's next. We're simply calling it next. (laughs) Hope for generations to come. And what I really believe we've heard is we've heard some specific steps from the Lord. Some of these plans, these goals, these steps, these objectives, that it's not all-encompassing of everything, but it's our unique calling in this season. So I want to share this with you today by laying it out in three components. As you think about what we're calling the next campaign, there are three components. First of all, there is the next step, okay? Every journey begins with the next step, right? So we have an initial step that we need to take. What's the next step? Let me give you a defining statement here. Here's the next step. The next step, I want you to read this out loud with me. It's our response to the blessing of a growing fellowship by developing our campus's master plan to allow for future growth that will fuel the next wave of God's activity in and through us. It's the next step. Look around you this morning. You don't have to be a missiologist or a church growth strategist to realize we need to take the next step. There's hardly an empty seat in the room. It's a full building. It's going to be the same way at 11 o'clock. This place is packed. God is growing our fellowship. We baptized last Sunday 103 people in one day that have come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We are seeing more people come to Christ than we've ever seen before in the history of our church. We are seeing more people go through our membership and discipleship process. We are seeing more people connected into small groups than we've ever seen in the history of our church. God is growing our fellowship. Now, it was never our plan. It was never our dream to grow a big church. To be honest with you, that really means nothing to us. We want to see the kingdom of God expanded in Las Vegas, the West, and the world. And listen, one church, no matter how big it gets, can't reach a city by itself. we got to multiply the church to engage a city. But the reality is, God in his sovereign grace is choosing to grow this fellowship. And we have a responsibility to respond to that by taking the next step. So, to kind of give you some flavor of what I'm talking about, watch this quick video. God is at work in our church and in our city. Since 2001, we have sought to identify how God is working around us and join Him in His activity. In 2012, God provided our permanent facility on Cactus Avenue as a launching pad to disciple and send Jesus followers all over the world. Now, five years and 1,200 baptisms later, it is time to once again respond to the way God is growing Hope Church. Our next step involves increasing the total size of our campus to 15 acres of developed land, giving us more capacity and providing easier navigation around the campus. But increasing the size of our campus is only one part of our next step. We're also going to enhance the experience while you are on campus. Our new courtyard is going to provide shaded space for people to connect, hang out, and build relationships.
Another area that will be enhanced on our campus are the environments for preschool and younger elementary age children. Our redesigned family ministry area will be a place for us to impact the lives of children like never before. These concepts represent the exciting and thematic spaces we will create for both Hope Kids, our weekend ministry, as well as Hope Christian Preschool and Kindergarten, our weekday ministry. Across the courtyard, our current worship center will be remodeled to provide worship venues specifically for older children and students. This 16,000 square foot building will become a culturally relevant tool to engage children and students with the gospel for decades to come and provide the capacity for hundreds and hundreds of young people to meet on campus at the same time. Finally, our long-term worship center will be built as part of this next step. This new worship center will provide space for more people to attend our gather time every Sunday and so much more. This 26,000 square foot facility will include a spacious lobby for you to connect with people and enjoy a cup of coffee. Our new 1800 seat sanctuary will be a place for us to seek the presence of God together as a church family. It will be a place where thousands of people will hear the gospel and discover what it means to live the life of a Jesus follower. The light that shines afar that shines the brightest at home. And that is exactly what our next step is all about. Let me try to, let me just quickly give you five ways the next step is going to impact us immediately, all right? And we tried to give you these in some phrases that you can remember. Here's the first one. We'll seat more people, but we'll feel more family. And here's what I mean by that. Hope, we've never designed a facility uniquely to be used for the worship experience. We've always just designed a multi-purpose room and made it work. That's why some of you are sitting behind a pole right now, right? Some of you are having to lean to see because you don't build a worship space with poles in the middle of it. It's multi-purpose. We have a stage up here that's just plywood painted black, and it's loud when people walk on it. Why? Because we didn't design this as long-term worship space. This will be the first time in the history of our church that we've designed a space intimately to be used to worship. So we'll seat more people, but it'll feel more like family as we seek the presence of God together. Here's the second thing we're going to do with this. We're going to attract, not just accommodate students and kids. We've always, as a church, tried to accommodate those that came with children and families, but we've never tried to be attractional in reaching out to kids and communities around us, and we think we're going to have a space now dedicated for the first time. We've never had dedicated space for high school and middle school students, but we're going to be able to do that and disciple students and kids like we've never been able to do before. Thirdly, we're going to create multi-use space for mission to take place, space in the courtyard and in multi-purpose rooms that will be used to grow people in their relationships with God, one another, in the world. Number four, we're going to create this ability to meet people, not just move past people, right? I mean, if you're in the lobby right now, it's like a phone booth, right? You're not trying to meet anybody. You're just trying to get out of there before claustrophobia sets in, right? We're going to have a courtyard environment and a lobby that will allow you to connect and build lasting and deep relationships with other people. And then finally, there's no catchy way to say this. We're going to park more cars and add an exit. You can see that's our existing campus there, the, 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 the way that our parking is. So you can see how it's going to expand, and we'll be able to add a third exit on the cactus to allow easier egress and ingress and also increase our parking capacity. So, so that's the next step. we got to respond to this growing fellowship that God's giving us and take this next step. But I want you to hear me very carefully. That's all this is. It's just the next step. It's not the goal. It's not the dream. 
When we built this, we said, Lord, if this is all we ever need, we're good with that. We're just going to keep sending people out of here. We never had a big plan to say we got to have the master plan finished out. That was never our desire. But we have to respond to what God's doing and take this next step. So that's the next step. That's the first component of this next campaign. But then there's the next chapter. And let me tell you what. I get real excited. Listen, building buildings doesn't excite me that much. We got to do it. It's a tool. It's got to be done. But this excites me. Let's read it together, the next chapter. Our engagement in the strategic, spirit-led opportunities that are before us, allowing us to make a lasting impact in Las Vegas, the West, and the world for the glory of God. Amen? We want to seize the opportunities that God has given us. And this next step that we're taking is going to allow us to continue to grow. And that growth will fuel this next wave of God's activity. So let me break it down for you in the three areas. First of all, Las Vegas. What we want to see God do is we want to see God move in Las Vegas to the degree that when we look back 10 to 15 years from now, Las Vegas is a different city because our church is here. I believe convictionally that when the kingdom of God expands in a city, it doesn't just mean that there are more people sitting in the churches. When the kingdom of God expands in a city, a city begins to be holistically transformed and it becomes a better place to live because the kingdom of God is on the move in that city. So we've been wrestling with a question. God, over the next 10 to 15 years, how can we look back? And Las Vegas, the West, and the world is different because Hope Church is here. And I want to give you, first of all, these areas in Las Vegas where God God has strategically and by his spirit led us to engage. Here's the first one. We want to impact the lives of children in need through engagement in the foster care system. Let me read you a verse of scripture out of Luke chapter 18 and verse 16. The Bible says, Jesus said, permit the children to come to me. That was the positive. Then he said it negatively. And do not hinder them. Permit the children. Here's what that teaches us. There is a special place in the heart of our God for children. I mean, think about one of the first songs you learn, right? Jesus loves me, right? Think about this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But he, what are we saying? We're singing about God's heart for little children. God loves the children of the world. And specifically, he loves the least of these that are often overlooked. I want to share with you an interesting statistic about Nevada. I'm going to put it up here by way of a map. But here's what this map tells us. Every state in America, except Nevada, has more churches in their state then they have children awaiting adoption in the foster care system. Which means in 49 out of 50 states in America, if every church would just raise up one family, we could today meet the need of every child in the foster care system awaiting adoption in the United States of America. Nevada is the only state in America that has more children in the system awaiting adoption than we have churches in the state of Nevada. So it's an epidemic all over our nation, but it's a crisis in our state. And most of that exists right here in Clark County and in Las Vegas. And here's the tragedy of kids in the foster care system. At the age of 18, these kids age out of the system whether they're ready for it or not. 
And at 18, when they age out of the system, statistics tell us that one out of five of them are going to be homeless. Less than 3% of them will ever earn a college degree, and only 50% of them will have a job by the age of 24. It's a crisis, and there are so many of these children, and Jesus Christ in us loves the children of this city, especially the least of these. So here's our prayer. Look at this. Our prayer is that one day the foster care system in our city will have families waiting on children instead of children waiting on families. At Hope Church, we are going to wrap our hearts around this. Listen, there's some of you, this hadn't even been on your radar. And this is about to become a major passion of your life as you engage and begin involved in the lives of these boys and girls. And wouldn't it be awesome if God allowed us to engage and it was the next generation of missionaries and church planners that God called right out of the foster care system here in Las Vegas to engage this city and the world for his glory? Wouldn't it be just like God to take the very least of these and use them for his glory? So we want to come alongside these boys and girls right in line with the heart of God. And we want to look back 10 to 15 years from now and know that Las Vegas, it's different. It's different for kids in foster care because Hope Church exists. Is that exciting? Let me give you the second one. Here's the second area that God strategically wrapped our hearts around. We want to help provide a path of escape for individuals trapped in sexual exploitation and abuse. This is an epidemic in our city. And it breaks the heart of God. And it should grieve and break our hearts. The United States Justice Department has released a study. Las Vegas is one of 17 cities in America most likely to be a top destination for trafficking victims. Meaning if you're abducted and trafficked anywhere in the world, the likelihood that you wind up in Las Vegas being exploited sexually is very high. That's our city. That's where we live. We want to cover it up with glitz and glamour and lights, but the reality is there's a darkness that's an epidemic in our city. And and listen, I'm not saying we can end human trafficking. We can't. But we can look up 10 or 15 years from now and see two, three, four, five hundred women and children and teenagers and young people that have been rescued by the gospel of Jesus Christ, that have been set free, that have found shelter, that have obtained basic necessities and have secured meaningful employment. We have people in our fellowship that have been saved and come to Christ out of this. And they have a passion and connections. God has begun to give us connections with people working strategically among these, these kinds of situations and places. Places like Southeast Asia, where we're going to hopefully build a network and begin to engage in this like never before as a fellowship. I was thinking about this this week, and I thought of the verses that Jesus chose to use when he launched his public ministry. Jesus reached back to the prophet Isaiah in Luke chapter 4, and here's what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives. That word captive is a Greek word that comes from a root word that means to be taken by force. And recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed. It's a Greek word that literally means to shatter or to break in pieces. 
to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Here's what I believe that God's birth in the heart of our church. The ministry of Jesus centered on bringing freedom to the lives of those who were trapped and had had their lives shattered and broken into pieces. Right in line with the ministry and heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to roll up our sleeves and push back the darkness in our city by engaging in this area. Here's the third area. Everybody all right so far? I told you I'm excited about this. Man, I'm, listen, I'm serious. I'm ready to give my life to this. Here's the third one. We want to embrace our calling to the educational community in our city. I don't have to run you through the statistics to know that Nevada ranks at the bottom nationally in almost all educational categories. But here's why that matters to us. Did you know that when we do surveys in our church, we have more educators in our church than doctors. We have more educators than construction workers. We have more educators than business people. The largest domain in our church is out of the educational community in our city. Here's what I believe. God has uniquely raised us up and wired us to make a difference in the educational community in Las Vegas. Now, does that mean that we can totally change everything? No, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to bring some of our educators to the table, put them around the table as pastors, hear from them and learn how we as a church can better engage so that Las Vegas is a better place to live because our church exists here. So those are three areas. Now, obviously, over the next 10 to 15 years, God's going to open other doors, but those are three right now that we know as a church we are going to lay ourselves into so that we can look up 10 or 15 years from now and all of those things have been changed in our city in drastic and dramatic ways. But not just Las Vegas. It's always been bigger than our city, right? It's about the West. Let's talk about the West for a minute. Did you know that America is now the fourth largest lost nation on planet Earth? Did you know only China, India, and Indonesia have more lost people living within their borders than the United States of America? We're number four. Number four. Did you know? That 40%, almost half of the lost population in the United States of America lives, guess where? The western United States. You know what that means, right? God birthed our church in the center of the fourth largest numerical mission field on planet earth. Not for us just to sit inside the building and say, Lord, would you do something out there? Let me tell you what lives in the West United States. 76 million people. And you can drop in major cities up and down the West Coast and in just about every major city, somewhere between 90 and 95% of those people have no relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's what we're asking God to do. We're asking God for 1% of the population of the West over the next 10 to 15 years. You say 1%, that's not a very big number. Well, 1% of 75 million is 750,000 people. Uh, Pastor, if I heard the video right, the worship center is going to seat 1,800 people. 750,000. Can you do that many services in a weekend? That's not how we do this. 
We've put together a strategic plan. We've learned a lot in 16 years here together about church multiplication. We had a, a, a gathering this week. We had 50 church planners that came in from all over the West that we're training in how to reproduce and multiply the church. We have a strategy to plant 300 new churches in the West in the next 10 to 15 years. We can do this. We can do this. 300 churches. With every one of those 300 churches, we're going to plant in them a DNA to reproduce and multiply 10 churches each. So we're going to take the lion's share. We'll do 300. But all the ones that we plant of those 300, the expectation is that they simply grow to 250 people and they reproduce and plant 10 churches each over the next 10 to 15 years that simply grow to 250 people. Now, if those 300 churches start 10 churches, you know how many churches that is? 3,000. If 3,000 churches grow to 250 people, you know what that number is? 750,000 people. We're asking God to give us 1% of the population of the Western United States. And listen, this is not one of those we could never do God. No, no, listen. This is doable. 300 new churches that will reproduce and plant 10 churches each that simply grow to 200. We're not talking about planting 3,000 churches that are mega churches running 5,000 people. We're talking about 300 churches that reproduce and multiply a church a year for a decade and grow to 250 people. And here's where this gets real exciting. Think about the next generation. Those 3,000 churches, what if they all then reproduce and plant 10 churches each? Now it goes to 30,000 churches. And if those 30,000 churches all grow to 250 people each, in the next decade, that's 7.5 million people. Now we've moved the needle from 1% of the West to 10% of the West. Now here's what's happening. Get this. 30,000 new churches, we would shift the epicenter of the Christian movement in America from the Bible Belt to the Western United States. And here's why that's significant. Because if you study gospel movement anywhere in the world, gospel movement always happens in a pre-Christian culture. The West is the last pre-Christian culture left in America. The, the, the New England states are now all post-Christian. The Bible Belt is rapidly becoming post-Christian. If there's another hope for a great awakening in America, and can anybody say amen that we need a great awakening in America again? If there's a hope for a great awakening in America, it is the Western United States. What if God raised us up to sow the seeds that in the generation to come could bring movement back to the United States of America? We're asking God to do that. Now, we cannot create movement, but we can obey the principles of multiplication and beg God for a movement. And that's what we're going to do over the next decade to 15 years. Not just the West, but the world. We've always said when God birthed our church, he had the nations on his heart. We're running out of time, so I'm going to just kind of summarize some of these things for you. We're going to go into more detail about them later. But we're asking God to put on our heart what's on his heart. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. We want to have the world on our hearts. So we want to see, over the next 10 to 15 years, Hope Church involved in church planting streams on all six inhabitable continents. So that we could literally say this as a church. The sun never sets 
on the ministry of what God is doing from right here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Somewhere in the world, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, somewhere in the world, through our investment and involvement by the grace of God, we would be joining in his activity on all six inhabitable continents, multiplying the church to expand the kingdom for the glory and honor of God. We want to, like never before, reach the unreached people in places of the world, starting with the Wadi people that we adopted a few years ago that are an unengaged, unreached people group in the Arabian Peninsula and engage them with the gospel and see a reproducing, multiplying church. And then finally, we want to unleash the greatest season of missionary sending in Hope Church's history. We're asking God for 50 families or individuals that would give their lives to relocate to some other culture or country around the world over the next 10 years and plant their lives to the expansion of God's kingdom to the ends of the earth. We're also asking every one of us to give 2% of our year every year, which is seven days. 2% of our year to engage in cross-cultural mobilization and engagement. Do you realize if all of us would give 2% of our year for the next 10 to 15 years, that in 15 years we could do 600 plus years of cross-cultural engagement? We could accomplish 600 years worth of crossing cultures with the gospel. By all of us simply giving 2%, seven days of our lives crossing cultures. That's the next chapter. Next step, expand the facility to fuel the next wave of God's activity. Next chapter, Las Vegas, the West, the world. Here's the last part. The next generation. What's the next generation? Let's look at it. Give me that definition. Let's read it together. Our intentional effort to position our children, grandchildren, and those yet to be born to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower for generations to come. We've always said it's bigger than our church. It's bigger than our city. It's bigger than our country. But here's the reality. It's bigger in our lifetime. You see, the plans of his heart are from generation to generation. If it ends when we finish our season, it was our plan and not his plan. Because his plan is from generation to generation. I thought about this. When... 160 years ago, 160 years ago, a small group of people came together in a rural suburb in North Georgia called Woodstock. They came together and they started a new church called the First Baptist Church of Woodstock, Georgia. 160 years ago. That church in 2000 sent my family and three or two other families <laughs> to Las Vegas, Nevada to join in God's activity of planting Hope Church. One of the biggest ministry footprints of First Baptist Woodstock's impact is Hope Church in Las Vegas, Nevada and what's happening out here in the West. But when their church started 160 years ago, get this, 
Las Vegas wasn't even a city yet. And here's the question I ask. What's going to be our Las Vegas? We don't even know about it yet. But our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren are going to take the DNA and the activity of God in us that we've given to them. And they're going to see things happen that exceed far and abundantly anything we could ever ask or think in our generation. It's so much bigger than us. So, how do we see all this happen? I know, I know, I know the reality of today. As a pastor, I, I kind of live in this world. <laughs> and I know some of you are hearing this today and you're thinking, whoo, that's, how, how can we, how can we do that? Let me tell you how we do this. Together. In the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God together. Remember in the opening pages of the book of Acts? A little group of 120 people and Jesus said to them, hey, you're about to change the world. And they weren't heroes and influencers and highly educated. Matter of fact, if you were picking teams, you wouldn't have picked any of these people to be on your team. They were cast-offs and salty fishermen and cheating tax collectors and prostitutes that had all met this man named Jesus. And he said, you're about to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You're going to turn the world upside down. And you know what they thought? How in the world? You know how it happened? Together in the fullness and empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. And we're sitting here today because of the movement that God did in and through them. We're going to get there together. Full of the Holy Spirit of God. So here's what, here's what I'm asking you to do this weekend. I'm asking you to take the next 21 days. We're beginning a journey today that's going to run four weekends. I'm asking you to take the next 21 days and as an individual family, small group, I'm asking you to join us in seeking the face of God for 21 days about your investment and involvement in what's next. It's going to require sacrifice. God provides for His people through His people. That's how we're going to take this next step. That's going to fuel this next wave of God's activity in our fellowship. Just like some people did years ago that allowed us to take this step. There's some of you here and, and that you were a part of that. When we sacrificially invested to take this next step that has fueled this next wave of God's activity. That's what we're doing again. We're going to take 21 days. We're going to seek the, the heart of God. And on May the 21st, 
Four weeks from today, three weeks literally from today, four weekends, May the 21st, we're going to come together with a Sunday where we're calling it Pledge Sunday. We're going to come together and all together agree to join in God's activity by sacrificing. We say at Hope that the way that when you talk about how we're to give, there are two biblical principles that talk about how we give. There's always a portion. Our regular routine every weekend, we always give out of what God's given to us. But we also say sometimes a sacrifice. Here's where my family is. My family is ready. We're ready to make a sacrifice and invest financially like we have never done before in what God's doing at Hope Church because of what God's spoken into the life of this leadership. We believe in it with our lives. And you need to know something. What God's done in my wife and I's heart is not unique to us. We have four lead pastors on our team. Teddy Johnson, Travis Ogle, and Tom McCormick. All four of us as men have believed that what we've received from God is a life call to this work. And I'm telling you, I've been in ministry and church right now for over 26, 27 years. I've never been in a church where the entire lead team of pastors sensed a life call to a work. I've never personally, maybe you have, I've never personally experienced that. We're ready to give our lives and we're ready ready to invest in what we believe God is leading us to do here at Hope Church. You say, what's the goal? Here's the goal. The goal is nine and a half million dollars. We're asking God to give us nine and a half million dollars to allow us to take this next step that would then fuel this next wave and season of ministry in our church. Nine and a half million dollars seems like an insurmountable amount of money. But with God, things that are impossible with men are possible with Him. And we believe strongly that the Lord's led us here. So what's going to happen on Sunday, May 21st, is we're going to ask everybody that's a part of this fellowship to make a three-year pledge, a sacrificial pledge over and above your regular giving of what you would invest in what's next at Hope Church. And on that day, in addition to the pledge, we're going to receive an initial cash offering. As much as you want to give of that pledge on day one, it only accelerates the timeline of how quickly we can begin to move with things here on our campus. So Sunday, May the 21st, we're asking God as a church for nine and a half million dollars in pledges over three years and as much of that as we can give up front we'll give so whatever you give on that day comes out of the pledge amount that you would make over three years but we're following the pattern of what's happened from both the Old and New Testament where God's people in seasons have seen God working in such a way that they made a sacrifice to give over and above their regular giving as an investment. So you're, I know what you're thinking. What, what, what can I do now? How can I, what, am I, what am I supposed to do over these 21 days? Let me give you some steps. First of all, I want to encourage every one of you to sign up for what we're calling a vision dinner. Three times this week, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night, and then three times the next week, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night. So Tuesday, Thursday, Friday this week, then Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday of next week, we're going to have free dinners right here. Uh, Hundreds have already begun to sign up for these. 
I would encourage, if you consider this your church family, if this is your faith family, it is imperative that you come to one of these vision dinners. I want to walk you through some more specifics of this information. I want to lead you as you lead your family to seek the face of God. I want to give you some tools and resources that will help you do that. So I don't beg you very often, but I'm begging you to sign up today for one of these vision dinners. You can sign up at the next tent outside, or you can sign up online at hopechurchonline forward slash next. Either one of those places, you can sign up. And if you're in a small group, I would encourage you to try to make sure your whole small group comes together to one of these vision dinners, because we want these to to, to happen over these next two weeks. There's limited space. We're only doing six. So please, please make it a priority today to sign up. Number two. I want you to attend the next three Sundays. I'm going to be every weekend preaching biblical principles to share with us why we believe God's leading us to this 10 to 15 year vision that he's led us to. So the next three weekends are imperative. Make it a priority to be here and also join your small group. We, I met yesterday morning for two hours with all of our small group leaders teaching them how to lead their small groups through this information. And then thirdly, I want you to engage in a 21-day devotional study. On our website, we've written 21 daily devotionals for the next 21 days that will allow all of us together to seek God together as a family of faith. Then here's the last thing. I want you to pray. I want you to listen. And I want you to obey. On May the 21st, here's what I'm asking you to do. You pray. You seek the heart of the Lord, and then you obey Him. Don't obey some strategy or pitch or anything. No, you pray, you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit of God, and you obey Him. As you leave today, outside in the courtyard, they're going to give you a magazine that has this next logo on the front of it. It's filled with detailed information, and then a frequently asked questions section about the next step, the next chapter, the next generation. We're giving you this today, and I'm going to ask you to take this home and either individually or with your family, pray through this information as you seek the heart of God about your investment and involvement. And then we'll be walking through more details at these vision dinners. If this is clear this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Are you excited? We're going to close our time this morning a little differently. We're not going to stand and sing. I'm going to ask you to just bow and pray. And I'm going to just take a couple of minutes and guide you through a prayer time, and then we're going to let you go. Father, I pray right now in this moment, God, that you would speak. Lord, as only you can. Lord, I thank you for the way you've spoken into my life. And I pray you'd speak into the lives of the men and women that call this their home. Now, as you're sitting there, I'm going to ask you to pray for a couple of things, then I'm going to let you go. Here's the first thing I want you to pray for. I want you to right now pray specifically for this $9.5 million. The Bible often says, it says, Jesus said you don't have because you didn't ask. So we're going to ask him. Would you ask him for $9.5 million? And you can even claim his word that says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
That verse is not a blank check, but it was written to a group of people living out kingdom principles. And that's what, we're, that's what we are. We're a church living out kingdom principles. Ask God. I want you to ask God to give supernatural unity to our fellowship. Like the early church, when it said of them, they all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Would you pray that God would wrap our hearts around this? Number three, I want you to pray for spiritual warfare that's going to happen. We have an enemy who does not like what we've shared this morning. But we also have a God that is greater in us than he that's in the world. So would you pray for protection and blessing and grace over our fellowship, over our leadership right now? And then finally, would you pray for God's kingdom to be expanded? That his glory may be made known to the ends of the earth. Lord, we give this to you. We pray you would use it for your glory and honor. God, thank you today for what you have done. How you have spoken. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of us say together, amen.